Unlimited Influence podcast, episode 14. You've been listening to the show, you've been inspired by our guests, and now we're ready to take this thing next level for you. Join us at Unlimited Influence Live, the event for entrepreneurs and business owners to create a personal brand that brings their legacy to life. If you're ready to dream bigger and do bigger, if you're ready to share your message and serve more people, and if you're ready to shift the money blocks that are holding you back from reaching the next level, then join us in Santa Monica on the 2nd and 3rd of November. This is your chance to take your business to a whole new level in 2017. Go to unlimitedinfluencelive.com for more information. That's unlimitedinfluencelive.com. Hey everyone, Samantha Riley here and I'm super excited to be welcoming today's featured guest, Kate Burr. Kate is a self-professed left-brain creative. She has a background in stand-up comedy and loves to nerd out on business. Her superpowers are joining the worlds of creativity and logic and can bring structure and systems to the presentation of big thinkers and engagement and relatability to intellectual presentations. With a focus on helping people feel good, Kate loves to create a fantastic experience for the end user that helps you and your business stand up from the crowd. Welcome to the show, Kate. Oh, thank you. Hello. Oh, this Great is going to be, be super here. exciting. This sounds like such a fun topic. Well, yes, that's yeah. all part of it. All, all part of the plan. Excellent. All right, we've got a plan. So that's a very brief intro into what you do. I'd love you to pull back the curtain a little and give our listeners a sneak peek into who you are and what makes you tick. Right. Okay. So I've been sort of like living this double life, I think, for the last probably five years. Sort of really getting into business and running my own business doing stand-up comedy shows and running them as fundraisers and also doing presentation, like humor, adding humor to presentations for speakers and stuff. But then I've also been a comedian. So I've sort of, um, I've been a comedian for probably 13, 14 years now. And so it's sort of like blending those two worlds that don't really seem to fit. And I've sort of been trying to mash that all together for a while. And I think I've finally got there. I think that's really cool because who would think that a comedian or a stand-up comedian could mesh the world of business that like we've got a dry and boring topic and something that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully hilarious, not too much of the heckler and more of the hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So can you share with us all what's your business and who do you serve? Yeah, so I help speakers get more bookings and more gigs uh, by adding humor to their presentations so that they're more memorable and more relatable and more engaging for their audiences. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you could possibly help someone that, okay, let's take me for instance, I would deliver a presentation on business topics. How could you make my presentations more relatable and engaging? Right. So, first of all, I think it's really good to understand what a stand-up comedian has to do in order to do their job. So, comedians are usually in dark rooms. They've got a microphone, but there's a whole heap of drunk people in the audience (laughs) and they're drinking and they're happy to yell out abuse and stuff. So, comedians have to be really good at engaging with their audiences very, very quickly and building rapport pretty much instantly because otherwise they're just going to be left standing on the stage Having being heckled and it's just it's not a very friendly audience to be doing that sort of thing for. Mm. So if you take away the unfriendly audience or 
they're not necessarily unfriendly, but unfriendly in the fact that they're not sitting there politely listening because yes. there's so many other things to do. Um, if you take that audience out and replace it with a conference audience or a workshop or a seminar audience, then it gives a really good opportunity for speakers to interact at that same level as a comedian does with their audiences and just inject so much more energy into a room than they normally would. And the other thing that comedians are really good at too is picking up subtleties in life and then reflecting them back to their audiences. So when you, as a speaker, if you can reflect your content back to their world, then your audiences are going to get it a lot quicker and um, they're going to be much more interested because you feel like they're talking about their life as opposed to your subject. Yeah, okay. And also means that in their mind, they can actually see themselves in that situation. So metaphorically, it drives that point home a lot harder. That's right. Yeah. And it, it sort of is almost like imprinted in your body because you've got some personal experience to relate that to. So, so I'll sort of take a um, completely unrelatable topic and then turn it into an everyday situation so that people can learn it a lot quicker. That's super powerful. That's really awesome. So you're saying that you've been doing stand-up comedy for 13 or 14 years, but you've only yep. been sort of meshing this together for five years. So what I'd love you to do, if you're okay with this, I'd love you to take us on the journey from five years ago where you decided that you were going to start to try and mesh them together and take us on that journey of how that came about, you know, how you were brave enough to put yourself out there with something that was very different in the marketplace and what did you personally have to work through to get to the point where you are now? Okay, that's a big question. This is good. Um, so, <laughs> so I probably started about back in 2007. I um, had always, I was sort of like doing my day job and was moonlighting as a comedian. And then in 2007, I was like, right, I'm going to just do a stand-up comedy show as part of a festival, see how it goes. And then had so took two weeks off, went back to my desk after the two weeks off of being a full-time comedian, sat back down at my desk and went, you know what, I'm in completely the wrong spot. So two weeks later, I had quit my job and I was footloose and fancy free. And that was a big turning point for me as far as a lot of people were like, what are you doing? You have a perfectly good day job and why would you go and do comedy? Like, And it just people couldn't get their heads around it. And I just sort of continued to do that. And then luckily got I decided I was going to do an event management course. Mm-hmm. And so people went, okay, yep, she's studying. That's, we can handle that. Studying's good. So I did studying and then I um, – Ticking the and box then I had, of normal person. Yes, good. I was, I was back into somewhere that people could understand and I was I had a vision to sort of do my event management and comedy and produce comedy shows and the like of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So then fast forward a couple of – about a year later I had a child so then I was on maternity leave and people could handle that and then it came time for the rubber to hit the road again and it was like, right, Kate's got to go back to work. And I got hold of a business, I sort of got into the world of entrepreneurs and business um, through a networking group sort of thing that I was involved with Mm -hmm. and just went, oh, these are my people. These people think like I do and they get me and I just felt like I was home. And so that sort of started me on my entrepreneurial journey, good and proper of we're not going back to work, we're going to run a business, going to run comedy shows and do all that sort of thing. So that was a really hard for a lot of people close to me to uh, accept, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And um, 
there was a lot, a lot of hate of just, what are you doing? Should go back to work? How, what are you, how, what are you doing this for? And it, I wasn't actually prepared for the level of hatred almost that was coming towards me. And I was like, wow, this is not your life. I don't understand why you're so upset with me. It's got nothing to do with you. I'm not paying your bills. I'm not renting a house off of you or anything like that. So I was like, I really couldn't understand how much hostility was coming my way and why. And um, looking back at it now, I think that like I was sort of just dead set on going towards success and what success meant for me. And looking back at it now, I probably see that they had a very different idea of what success meant to them of like getting a good job and climbing the corporate ladder and doing all those sorts of steps. And then what I probably didn't realize at the time was that they felt quite offended that I wasn't going on the same standards of success to them. So they were probably and, upset because they felt through the vision, like through their eyes, that you were throwing something away. So it was it was actually done out of love, I'm assuming, that they wanted you to be yeah. successful. Yeah, and they just couldn't, like there wasn't any sort of concept that there was another way of success or that there was another, another definition for them. Yeah. And they just felt really rejected that I wasn't pursuing the same plan as them mm-hmm. which when you say that loud sort of seems really really a bit silly because it's like well what's good for you is not necessarily good for somebody else but that's um yeah one of the lessons I had to learn along the way I suppose yeah yeah and a super um valuable lesson I would imagine <laughs> yeah and um so then I just kept going with the business and kept working towards that and kept hanging out with the um group of entrepreneurs that I hung out with for a while and um the problem started to, then this, the next problem sort of started to arise that I was going to this like quarterly conference where we'd all catch up together and everyone would share their success stories and stuff. And back at the start when I was full of hope, I guess, it was all just like, oh, yeah, this is great, this is great, I'll get there one day, I'll get there one day. And then a couple of years down the track, all these people are, seem to be going sky high and soaring through the trees and making heaps of money and getting all these great deals in their business. And I'm sort of like just going, I don't feel like I'm doing anything and I feel like I've been left behind almost. Yes. And was just like, oh. And then the whole what's wrong with me starts to creep in. And then it was about two and a half, three years that I was with this group. I actually got nominated in their Entrepreneur of the Year finalist awards, like I was one of the nominations for that. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, yes, I am doing something right. This is awesome. I'm going to be good. This is, yep, we're still okay. And then it was really, really weird that when I got home from that event and put that award on my, it was one of those really cool glass sort of things that shines in the sunlight and stuff. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love shiny things. Yeah, I put that on my bookshelf in my office at home and it was almost like a a curse almost because it was just like it felt to me like a daily reminder of you are full of shit, Kate. Like there is – they might have been bluffed that your business is going really well and you are an entrepreneur of the year, worthy of a nomination for entrepreneur of the year. But in myself, I knew that that was just – somebody must have made a mistake and I was really lucky to have that happen and business wasn't actually really that good and what the hell are you doing? Wow. <laughs> this yes. is just huge. 
Yeah, and this was probably the biggest catalyst for a complete devastate like basically my self-esteem and self-confidence was just completely devastated from that point and I was just like you are an idiot and you didn't belong in the business world and you now don't belong in your entrepreneurial world and you are just you don't belong anywhere and it was just some of the shittiest hardest time of my life because by this stage my family and friends were all just like oh Kate's on a business woo-woo journey or whatever so they'd completely written me off and then I felt like I wasn't deserving of the connection with the um, group that I was with. And so I completely cut myself off from that. And I was just this completely lonely, isolated, all alone person just going, what do I do now? And um, yes, it was wow. pretty hardcore. I would imagine that there's, if there's someone listening and they haven't had that feeling of, oh my goodness, like that devastation and I'm all alone, and we all have it for different reasons, it's possible that it, some people might not feel it, but for a lot of the people that I speak to and that are in my world, we all go through that at some stage, that yeah. that, that very alone feeling. And it's almost like, and I don't know, I'm hearing that it may have been the same for you for what it was like for me is that you ver- you keep it very, very hidden and that actually makes that downward spiral even worse. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. It's, it's, quite, it's quite funny to think about it now because I did a course just recently where you have to um tell your story about your life or your business and stuff and I was sort of drawing it on a chart and you know how you've got the um emotional roller coaster of business and like point A to point B and point B might be on the top of a mountain and it's very up and down the whole way. Mm-hmm. Mine was like down and then down and then down and I'm like, oh, that's definitely rock bottom and then it went down even further and then I'm like, <laughs> How close am I to China right now? And it went down again. <laughs> and it was, it was so incredibly low. I had no idea that it was humanly possible to go that low and still be alive, basically. Like it, it's pretty, it sounds pretty lighthearted sort of now, but it was pretty shitty at the time. But I just want to tell you listeners too about how I actually got out of it. And I've got a cool analogy for this. So are you, is that all right if I say I that? I would love you to share it. Okay, so um, if you can imagine yourself as a seed, this is going to be story time. Once upon a time, there was a little seed and the little seed was hanging around with all the seeding mates. And then it was like, actually, this is not what I am here on this earth to do is to be a seed. There is something more inside of me. So, and that is obviously for this analogy to grow. So then if you can imagine a seed to grow, it has to get planted in the ground and that's where it's really cold and dark and you're all alone and you don't know what else is going on, right? And that's pretty much the point that I was talking about before. That's what I felt like I was at. And then when you think you're in a really bad spot as a seed planted in the ground, then someone comes and waters you so you're in this cold, soggy, wet muck mm. then and then somebody puts fertilizer on you so you're in a big pile of soggy of manure yeah and it's really really crappy and then you're growing as fast as you can to improve yourself but as a seed with roots the roots go down to create a really strong foundation so you've done all this change and you're not the same person as you once were but it doesn't nothing looks any different you're still in this wet cold dark place but you're growing your roots out as a big strong foundation but nobody can see them and you can't see them and it still looks the same as whatever Mm. and then finally once the roots are established then you start to grow up and up and up 
And then all of a sudden, one day, you'll just pop through the soil, surface of the soil and go, oh, now I get it. Now I can see the other plants around me and the green grass or the trees and the sunlight. And you go, now I get it. And then it's just that continually to grow and grow and grow until you're a big enough tree that can provide shelter for yourself and for others and throw down your own seeds from that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was just amazing. And, you know, exactly like you said with the metaphors that we can use in our presentations, as you were saying that, I felt my journey all again. So not only thank you for sharing that, but thank you for being vulnerable enough to share that story because by you being courageous enough to share that story is going to help so many other people. And I know that when I finally shared the dark times that I had and I shared them through my book, The Heart of Entrepreneurship, that coming out the other side, I was just, it was like I'd let the mask go and I'd gone, you know what, it was really, it was really crappy, but I'm here to tell you it's just so much better on the other side. So I think by yeah. us sharing our stories, you know, and I'm, I'm asking people to do that because I know that we can help so many more people by saying, hey, look, you know, it, it isn't perfect all the time. And sometimes we go through really, really dark times. So thank yeah. you so much. Oh, that's okay. And yeah, just to know that it's so important to share those sorts of stories to know that you're not alone and that it's, if you hear somebody else talking about it, then you know that it's a possibility that it can happen. So then it's like, it's much safer place to talk about it with others and get some help and get through it. Absolutely. So you're in that dark place. Yeah. Clearly not now. You're doing amazing things and you're putting yourself out there in a big way. What was, the, <laughs> what was the catalyst for you actually making that step from that dark place to putting yourself out there and, you know, just letting it all go and going, I'm doing this? Yeah, well, um, uh, there was a lot of uh, work with a psychologist, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, because um, uh, they're very expensive people to work with. But um, there was a lot of life lessons that I didn't have that were instrumental for me to now be playing in this space and being okay. So one of them was to be embracing individuality and to find out that that's actually really a good thing and it's not necessarily who's the best or who's got the best of whatever. It's There's different things for different thing, people. And my daughter and her friend, my daughter's six, so she was over with a friend one day and they're drawing at the table and they're like, whose picture's the best, whose picture's the best? And that was just a really good understanding for me to just go, actually, neither of yours is the best. They're both completely different for different reasons. And do you know what? If they were both the same, it would be pretty boring Mm -hmm. because could you imagine all Mm. the storybooks that we read at bedtime if they had the pictures were all the same in them and if the style of the story was always the same. So you need that variety in life and actually to embrace it because if you don't, then everything just looks really the same and really boring and it sort of goes against what mainstream education they're all trying to pump out carbon copies of people that are all hitting academic qualifications and all the rest of it Mm. but it's that richness and that individuality that people bring that actually makes the world amazingly cool couldn't have said it better myself absolutely (laughs) you know it's the difference between vanilla people that are trying to keep everyone happy and aren't making us like you know don't have a backbone enough to make a stand and go actually I don't really believe that, but I really believe this. Um, and I yeah. know that we talked about it a, a little bit before we got on the call and we were saying that, you know, it is unfortunate that when you do make that stand that you're going to get haters. 
but it's part of the journey and also is, is part of that acknowledgement of, well, you know, they weren't meant to be in my tribe, in my community anyway. Yeah. And to be completely okay with that is really liberating too, to just go, yeah, that's cool because you've got a completely different value system to me and that's fine. You can go and do that thing over there that you want to do and I'm going to do this thing over here for the people that want to hear it. Yeah. And my self-worth is not connected to how many people like or don't like me. That's completely separate to my sense of self. And to be able to disconnect your work from your personal self-esteem is really, really amazing and really freeing as well. <laughs> that was a massive value bomb. I don't think that, that I've ever connected those two things together. So that that is huge to have that understanding of keeping those two separate. Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Kate. So, oh, no worries. <laughs> value bombs galore. <laughs> so from that time that you decided that you were going to come out and help these business owners with their presentations – how important has it been for you to build your personal brand around that? Oh, that's been um, incredibly important uh, for a number of reasons. One of them is that most of my business comes through word of mouth and that's from a personal brand is directly responsible for word of mouth. And then all the online content and marketing and website and stuff basically just supports that, what that person's been saying. Mm. So to get that word of mouth referral. And the other thing too is that the personal brand trumps all of that anyway. So I'm uh, probably in the past haven't been consistent enough with my content and marketing and that sort of thing. And the personal brand is actually made up for that shitty or non-existent marketing. Wow. So there you go, guys. That's how important it is to build your personal brand. So yeah. there's, there's a, like, as you mentioned, there's quite a few working parts or there's actually a ton of working parts to building a personal brand to become more influential. But if, Kate, if you were to choose three things which have had the greatest impact in that growth, what would they be? Yeah. So, um, probably like embracing that individuality and recognizing that it's actually okay to be different but it's actually also really good Mm. and then being able to separate that self-worth and your work from each other has been really good Mm. and um, even when you do get that hate and opposition or that hostility just to recognize that they're doing something complete they're on a different path to you that's okay and you can't change their minds or you can't let that stop you. You just have to, um, the, one of my favorite sayings is just make vigorous progress towards the good. I love that. Yeah. So uh, that'd be number one. Second thing for me was understanding that boundaries are essential because as entrepreneurs, like we can do anything whenever we want, wherever we want, but that doesn't mean you always should. So, yeah, because it's a it's a great thing and it's a curse all at the same time, right? Yeah. So I um in the early days I used to work till twelve, one o'clock in the morning and then be up first thing in the morning and like just go straight onto the computer and do stuff as well. And yeah, that and I did that because I thought that's what I needed to do to be liked, but it wasn't actually about being liked. It was about what's necessary from a business mm-hmm. and what's actually how I want to run my life. So now I have a much stricter like working hours and stuff like that obviously it changes um, when there's a project or something major happening but as a general whole and um, I even ended up putting open hours on my office door because I work from home Mm -hmm. so it was like office hours on the door so that it would just remind me am I meant to be in the office now or am I meant to be having a life yeah 
and by life, I'm, I'm assuming you mean with your family, with your friends, doing other things. Yeah, exercising, getting out in the sunshine, having screen-free time, all the things that you try and teach your children to do yeah. that you don't do for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and then the third one too, I think for me, is making your own rules around success. So entrepreneurs love to make their own rules as far as like, I'm not going to go work nine to five and I'm going to work from a laptop and I'm going to work from a cafe. I'm going to work from a home office and I'm going to wear jammies and I'm not going to get up till 10 in the morning or whatever. And there's so many cool rules that we create for ourselves, but I think a lot of us still get stuck in the um, the old measurements around success and self-worth. So when you're sort of growing up and going through school and starting off as an adult, we're taught to have like get a degree or get a job um, that sort of, it doesn't sort of get explained as succinctly, but I think it's like inferred that then you're worth something. Mm. So if you're not getting a paycheck every week that says I am worth or $800 every week Mm. and that's that regular reinforcement of your self-worth or you don't have the degree on the wall that you've been to uni or you've got a certificate of qualification or whatever, it's really easy to get lost in that where am I worth something because especially when you start out and your income's a bit sketchy and sometimes you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week and you're not getting anything in return monetary, Mm. it's like needing to redefine that success definition as well as all the other rules that we make for ourselves. I totally love that. And I, what I love about that even more is that it can change. So your success along the way can change. Um, I know for, for me a few years ago and I wasn't, you know, making the, the monetary, like my monetary goal, but at this time I was traveling six months a year and I was still able to work. For me, I was okay with that success at that time, knowing that yeah. my other goals were coming along the way. Yeah, yeah. And just also just to disconnect that whole you don't need a paycheck every week to determine your self-worth. You're worthy of stuff just by being on this earth and doing what you're doing. Love that. I love that. <laughs> so you have shared so much value, so I can't wait to hear the answer to this question, Kate. But oh, gosh. There, oh, <laughs> If there was one piece of advice that you wish someone had shared with you at the beginning of your business journey, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. Okay. If somebody had sat me down at the start and said, it is going to be equal parts awesome and equal parts complete and utter crap, that would have been really good. And then if they had have said, and this is going to happen for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) And then they say, so go and enjoy the highs and live them up because they're amazing. And then for the down times, there's actually skills that you can put in place to help you help support you so that you just go down as opposed to fall off the wagon completely. Wow. Like, let's just let that sink in for just a minute. I knew it was going to be good, but that was brilliant. That is absolute gold, Kate. Did you want me to tell you what the, some of those skills are? Just very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. All right. So it's all around. So when you go up and down with your roller coaster of entrepreneurship, it's basically um, your emotions that you have to manage. And so if you let your emotions flow in and out, just like the tide, it's a lot easier than 
stopping them from coming in and then they just all get squished down and explode at different points. Mm -hmm. So when you're feeling sad or lonely or defeated or deflated, the best sorts of things you can do is, it sounds really cliche, but have a, have a really good sleep or a really good cry or eat really healthy foods. Um, you can use essential oils to just help give you a hug basically, like sort of smell them or just because the oils are really good, like lavender is really good and calming and peppermint's really good for reinvigorating yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's good to just have those in your toolbox and just look at them and go, what do I need? Because then it asks you, how am I feeling? And then you can sort of self-medicate from there. And then other stuff just like having a nice warm cup of tea or a hot water bottle or in a rocking chair, just sort of gently rocking yourself back and forward. There's just lots of things that can just support you while you're having your down times. So rather than trying to pretend that they're not happening is that you look after yourself in those times and then you get back on the wagon again when you're feeling better. Yeah, so it's all about nurturing yourself and not beating yourself up. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to recognize, okay, I'm feeling a bit crappy. What can I do? Might just go and have a sleep or I might just go and have nice, yummy, healthy food or I might just have a um a cup of tea because then it's like, okay, well, let's just give you a hug. It's all right. It's almost like giving yourself a pat on the head, rubbing your shoulders and sort of just going, it's all right. It's okay. It's happening. I love that you've said that. And now I realize why I've had so many cups of tea in the last week. I'm not normally a tea drinker. I have had so much herbal tea in the last week. Your body just knows what to do. Oh, yay. I'm listening to it. It's when you get out of your head and all the intellectual should be doing this, should be doing this into your body of like, what do I need? That it's much easier. I think it's coming from that that feeling rather than thinking. Yes. Yeah. And being comfortable enough to feel it as opposed to always thinking. Yeah, because I think, I've just said I think, <laughs> the irony <laughs> of it, <laughs> that we had have had a discussion about this off air once before though. Do you want to just share with everybody about um, when you were writing your book and the process of how you kept getting unstuck? Actually, I, from your blockages. I, I think that I shared this on the episode with Dave Thompson because him and I were talking about that and there was that every time, because obviously writing a book is a very creative exercise and every time I sat there and had writer's block and was, you know, sitting there beating myself up like, oh, my goodness, I can't, I don't know what to write, I'm stuck, I would, I would go inside and I would say to Dave, you've got to help me, I've got writer's block again and he'd say, just switch off your mind. Like, tell me, how does it feel? And the second I, like, you know, he would say, Sam, get out of your head space and go into heart space. What, what's coming yep. from the heart? How do you need, how can you serve your readers? Like, what can you share with them? And the second I went into that, like, in the end, every time I said it, within 30 seconds of just, him just saying, you know, get out of head space, get into heart space, feel it and serve, it was like, bang, back on track again. So totally, totally agree. And it's, it is actually something that I'm very grateful to Dave for teaching me and helping me understand how much of a difference it makes to get out of that headspace. Because in business, yeah. we're thinking it's all very logical. But in actual fact, there's only a small part of it that is in that logical place. Most of it's actually in the creative space. Yeah, it's whether it's creating a new product or creating a solution to the problem that your new product has created. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, there's a rabbit hole that we don't have time to go down right now. But I would love to get you back on on the show, Kate, because I think there's many rabbit holes that you and I can go down. And let's. (laughs) I can feel a few bonus episodes coming up with you. It's been so much fun chatting with you today. I know my listeners will want to stay in contact with you. So how can they stay connected with you? Yeah, so the best way is to simply go to my website, which is katebird.com. And if that's not working because techie issues sometimes don't, just go to katebird.com.au and um, then you can just hook up through Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff through there because then you only have to remember one thing. Love it, love it. Obviously, the links will all be in the show notes. Thank you for today, Kate. I look forward to creating bonus content with you in the future. But, oh, yay! Yeah, so exciting. But thank you so much for sharing so much value today. I really, really appreciate you. Uh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Unlimited Influence Podcast. You'll find the show notes over at theaccelerantgroup.com. It's your time to shine.